0: I'm glad that you're all here. Uh, <laughs> told people I'm leaving and they left too. It's all right. No problem. But uh, appreciate your prayers. We'll be praying for you all. That will not change as we're, uh, as we're gone. But uh, Giselle, good to see you. I'm tell- I can't wait until the 13th. That's going to be quite a Sunday. Uh y'all find out later on but anyway so it's just it looking be on for Saturday just to keep the theme up the matter. yeah <laughs> yeah so anyway uh i'm 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 looking forward to it getting cooler sometime it's working on it a little bit but uh anyway as far as uh, as far as announcements they're there in the bulletin so we still have the uh, men's prayer breakfast and the ladies Sunday morning. Or excuse me, Saturday morning at eight thirty, and then the light dinner. You guys all fix that with with the uh, with the greens. By the way, uh, uh, Paul and Vivian are in Missouri. They'll be there for a couple of more weeks, so they'll be getting uh, they'll be getting back soon, Lord willing. So, anyway, yes, sir. <laughs> I, f- I feel like changing my message just as th- along uh, along that line <laughs> oh mercy well, um. Wanted to come to this. In fact, I I, I mentioned the passage uh, this morning uh, because of the, uh, the the message this morning. So I wanted to uh, I wanted to go to this. Could you take your Bibles and turn to John chapter twelve? The title of the message is "Dying to Live." Dying to live. It will be familiar. With many of you, I, I say that what I mean is, is the theme because it's something that we Christians, we wind up thinking about quite often, especially if you have a, a, a passion for uh, the work of the Lord, for living for the Lord the, the and <laughs> the present distress. Uh, so let's pray and uh, we will get, we will get into it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask that you would guide now as we are in your word. Lord, give us understanding hearts, I pray. Lord, speak because there's such opportunity. Lord, there there are things we don't understand when it comes to humanity But we're just glad that you have all things under control. So help us as we go forward in your will to do what we ought to do, to do what is right. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and go to John 12. We'll start reading in verse 20. We're going to go ahead and read... Uh, through verse 31, John 20, excuse me, John chapter 12, verse 20, there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee and desired him saying, and I love this phrase. I, I love this, sir, we would see Jesus. Oh boy, I tell you, Philip Cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth Much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. You know, I love that. To stop and consider, we can look at everything that's going on in the world But we recognize this and we rejoice in it. Satan has lost his power. Christ rules over all. We're not going to go into the details of that except this. Praise God what is taking place on this earth. Satan cannot control except the Lord give him that kind of control. He gives it to him. Now Christ, excuse me, the Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father, told us things that would be taking place. In the latter days, perilous times shall come. But that doesn't mean that the Lord has relinquished power to the wicked one. We still have opportunity to see great things take place. Now, <clears throat> I, I, I'm not one that really big time understands. You know, again, Alfred, we've talked before about how the Lord is moving in the Philippines, and you know, we, I, I rejoice in that. You know, it's it's amazing to me uh, just to hear, you know, how the Lord is working. And I know the Philippines has problems, but we were we we were just so moved, and I know it's still happening. And going back there. And, and seeing, you know, scores of churches move, and then understanding there are thousands of them scattered all through the Philippines that are doing a great work. That is a joy. Now, I loved what Tim Schmidt said. It used to be that decades ago, when we talked about a place in America that was dead, I mean, it was just rough for churches, it was New England. And now to hear what the Lord is doing there, I think what that ought to do is that ought to give us encouragement what God can do in California. I don't know why,, you know, it, it doesn't. And you know that, that's why <laughs> that's why, I, you know when I was in my office yesterday morning, it's like, "Lord, come into our church." Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and then Brad knocked. I didn't tell you about that, Brad. I'll, I'll explain it to you later. So, you know, in light of what we looked at this morning, the fact that in, 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 in coming into our Christian life and having to face self, I thought, you know, here, here's a good time to look at the New Testament application to what we saw in the Old Testament there in the book of Joshua. That's why I entitled this, Dying to Live. Now, I love how the Bible is laid out. I love how it's written. And like we've said before, and this is not original with me. You read the first three chapters of Genesis, everything else will fall into place. It just does because you've laid the foundation, you've laid the work. You read the first verse in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. There is no more room for any other God. There is no more room for any other power. There's no room. We know where we are in this situation and praise God for what we read in Revelation 21 this morning, we know there's a new heaven and earth coming. But right now, college kids get to go to different places and give the gospel. Churches get to be planted in places and share the gospel. We'll be talking about that more when I come back to uh, from vacation. Now, This verse, Genesis 1-1 teaches, there's a purpose and a person and a place. You you go from that, and here's a verse that I remind myself all the time of. When I start going through, I showed it to you before. When I I go through the verses in my devotions, I start out Acts 6-4, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. Why? Why? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why is that so important? Revelation 20, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Why, that is why it is so important. So with all this on our plate, how do we work? The Lord has told us. We hold the answer to man's destiny, the work to help people see. Sometimes it's hard. My heart broke for a couple of situations this last week that I'm not gonna get involved in right now. But it's just so sad because people are taking that door and and they keep closing and they don't recognize what they're closing the door to. Remember uh, Joseph of Arimathea, John 19, verse 38, and after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. Another example is in John 12, verse 42, nevertheless, among the chief rulers also, many believed on him, but but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Why? For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Now that ought to get us to thinking, uh, thinking a little bit because we fall into the same scenario. We fall into the same situation. I don't know about you, but when I think of talking to people, I, I, I praise God Seeing y'all's faces, I don't see anybody now that wants to beat me up. But, you know, there are situations where, you know, you, you confront somebody with the gospel and you wonder what's about to happen. I like what this one young man said. Lord, give me 15 seconds of courage today, sometime, whenever I need it. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty good. But just considering, all right, we're dead to self. We're dead to self. And now we're living by the life of Christ. We're literally dying to live. Remember, not I but Christ. So for that, we can we, we can just kind of reflect on again, this is the New Testament example of that Old Testament example that was given to us in Joshua. Look again at verse 21. There were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. Again, the same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Now, the Lord is going to give us three vital statements. And this alludes to a little bit of what I glean from and how to do my devotions. First of all, notice in verse 23, Christ has purpose. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. This, this, this is it. This is why he is here. On a daily basis, I reflect on why I'm here. Now, praise God, there's times to get away, and I'm looking forward to that. But overall, we are here not for flesh. We're not here for self's sake. We have been brought here on purpose, in the time and in the place we are in Christ. And because we have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless we live, there's a purpose to our life. Now the Lord said, again, now is my soul troubled, what shall I say? Father save me from this hour? No, for this cause came I unto this hour. When later in verse 30, when the Lord spoke, when the Heavenly Father spoke, Christ had said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sake. The scripture is plain to each and every one of us. Purpose. You know, when you've got purpose, you don't have to stumble around and and when when with like with, with some people, it's like, what do I do? Years ago, and I wish I would have kept it, years ago, I I, I read an, an article, somebody, it was it was online, somebody had written it. And I read it to the church, but the saying, the gist of the thing was this, I don't know how to live, somebody said. Somebody please tell me how to live. They were not trying to be silly. It was a situation where they were desperate. They didn't know. That's the kind of person that can be drawn to commit suicide. They didn't know. Now, sadly, again, like we reflected on Demas this morning, he fell in love all over again with this present world, and all of a sudden he found a, an, an alternative purpose. And that's what sometimes some, church, some Christians do. All of a sudden it's not the Lord and his work anymore. It's just, it just isn't it. That's not not right. Now we go from purpose and the Lord gives us an interesting paradox. Here's the first one. Look at verse 24. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Paul used the same illustration in 1st corinthians 15 verse 35 but some man will say how are the dead raised up and with what body do uh, do they come thou fool that which is so, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die so we realize this that that purpose we're not going to discover it. And, and we need, to, again, this is one of those things. We need to be constantly reminding ourselves, especially as we get older. We do not live out. We, we don't live beyond our purpose. You understand what I'm saying? You know, we're, 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 we're living, but a Christian never leaves behind the call of God. There is always that need for dying to self. There's always that need for the surrender that allows God to use a life, no matter how the, what the age is, no matter what. The second paradox is aimed straight at us. Look at verse 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Now, again, we've got a lot of stuff that we're seeing, reading, hearing in the news. There's a lot of things that are being talked about uh, where there's been major change in our country and it's still going to continue. I was reading an article by a good brother yesterday that, you know what, he's, he's, he's saying this. There are so many voices that are gonna be calling us this way and, 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 and this way. Why? Because there are people that are saying, hey, you've got to get involved in this There's freedoms we don't want to lose. Hey, you've got to get involved in this, otherwise, you won't survive. Hey, you've got to get involved in this, don't you recognize what they're doing in this or that in the government? I'm all for being a citizen, but it must not yank me from my purpose. So the second paradox is this, he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it to the end. To hate his life means to be so committed to Christ that he has no self-centeredness. Now we can plan for the future if God has given us the plan. But have you noticed that sometimes God kind of upends the, the, the plans? <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw a picture of that kind of thing, and all of a sudden, this just came to mind. I can't remember the, the, uh, the city that this happened in. It wasn't in America. It was someplace over in Europe. But did you all see the situation where people are on this, on this street, busy street, All these cars, you know, then there's these vans that are parked and uh, they're all along there and just, it's a security camera and it's looking down the street. What they didn't know was, was that the gas line under the highway that went, went all that stretch was about ready to explode. I don't know how many of you saw that. And all of a sudden the thing went boom and all these vans and all these people walking there all of a sudden they were launched into the air. It killed one person. It wounded a bunch of others, but it was really something to see in this one stretch. I can't remember if it was just one block or a couple of blocks or whatever. But All of a sudden, all these vehicles got launched. And I thought, you know what? I am so glad I wasn't there getting in or out of one of those things. The point is this, God has a way of blowing up plans just like that. You know? right? Oh, I'm telling you. To hate our life is to, without question, it's already dead. We, we, we've, conquered, we've conquered self. That, that's, that's Jericho. It's been thrown down. To hate our life is to trust Christ implicitly with it. That's it. That's why Another one of my verses, and I preached on this not too long ago, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody here, you ever at times you get irritated? Okay, one confessed. Who else is going to confess? There's two, okay, two, three, okay, so there's five, six, okay, so there's six of us, the rest of you are just lying fools. I don't know what it is. And and, you know, we're not going to get carried off into this, but there are times it's almost like the wicked one knows exactly when to get under my skin. And next thing you know, you know, (laughs) flesh is saying, you know, let let, let me get back into the game a little bit. I'll play along with you. Oh, brother. No. Then he brings us a principle in this passage. Look at verse 26. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. In other words, the principle is this. You live it God's way, God will honor you. You know, some people might not think any, all that much about teaching children. Are you kidding me? You know, hey, praise God for what the Lord is doing through King's Kids. Praise God for what the Lord is doing in Sunday school. You know, pray, hey, those four, those four young people that got up this morning and gave testimony about what took place in camp, praise God for that. I, I love that. I, um, I, I'm going to read something. And in fact, some of you, a couple of you may have already read this. It was something that I read a long time ago, and it really moved me. And it made the rounds just recently on Facebook. And I thought, you know what, that's what I'm going to do. Because of the message this morning, I wanted to go back and preach John 12 again. But there's such a good example of this in this story. Can I trust God to take my life and use it for his glory, even though it looks like everything has absolutely flown apart? Paradox and principle and purpose. Lord, can you do this? You can have faith in God's purposes in your life. This is a true story. Listen up. 100 years ago, in 1921, David and Svea Flood went with their two-year-old son from Sweden to the heart of Africa to what was then called the Belgian Congo. The missionary couple met up with the Ericssons, another Scandinavian couple, and the four of them sought God for direction. In those days of much devotion and sacrifice, they felt led of the Lord to set out from the main mission station to take the gospel to the village of Endorella, a remote area. This was a huge step of faith. There, they would be rebuffed by the chief, who would not let them enter his town for fear of alienating the local gods. The two couples opted to build their own mud huts half a mile up the slope. They prayed for a spiritual breakthrough, but there was none. Their only contact with the villagers was a young boy who was allowed to sell them chickens and eggs twice a week. Svea Flood, a tiny woman only four foot eight inches tall, decided that if this was the only African she could talk to, she would try to lead the boy to Jesus. And she succeeded. Meanwhile, malaria struck one of the member, one member of the little missionary band after another. In time, the Ericson's decided they had had enough suffering and left to return to the central mission station. David and Svia Flood remained near Undarella to carry on alone. Then Sevilla found herself pregnant in the middle of the primitive wilderness. When the time came for her to give birth, the village chief softened enough to allow a midwife to help her. A little girl was born, whom they named Aina. The delivery was exhausting. Sevilla Flood was already weak from bouts of malaria, so the birthing process was a heavy blow to her stamina. She died only 17 days later after Aina was born. Something snapped inside David Flood at that moment. He dug a crude grave, buried his 27 year old wife, and then went back down the mountain with his children to the mission station. Giving baby Aina to the Erickson's, he snarled. I'm going back to Sweden, I've lost my wife, and I've obviously can't take care of this baby. God has ruined my life. With that, he headed for the port, rejecting not only his calling, but God himself. Within eight months, both the Ericssons were stricken with a mysterious malady and died within days of each other. Baby Aina was then turned over to another American missionary family who changed her Swedish name to Aggie. Eventually, they took her back to the United States at age three. This family loved Aggie. Afraid that if they tried to return to Africa, some legal obstacle might separate her from them, they decided to stay in their home country. And switch from missionary work to pastoral missionary ministry. This is how Aggie grew up in South Dakota. As a young woman, she attended North Central Bible College in Minneapolis. There she met and married Dewey Hurst. Years passed. The Hearst enjoyed a fruitful ministry. Aggie gave birth first to a daughter, then a son. In time, her do- her husband became president of a christian college in the seattle area and aggie was intrigued intrigued to find so much scandinavian heritage there one day she found a swedish religious magazine in their mailbox she had no idea who sent it and of course She couldn't read the words, but as she turned the pages, a photo suddenly stopped her cold. There, in a primitive setting, was a grave with a white cross, and on the cross were the words, Sevia, Flood. Aggie got in her car and drove straight to a college faculty member whom she knew could translate the article. What's this article say? The teacher shared a summary of the story. It's about missionaries who went to Indorella, Africa, long ago, a baby was born, the young mother died, one little African boy was led to Jesus before that. After the whites had all left, the boy, all grown up, finally persuaded the chief to let him build a school in the village. He gradually won all his students to Christ and the children led their parents to him. Even the chief became a follower of Jesus. Today, there are 600 believers in the village, all because of the sacrifice of David and Sevilla Flood. It doesn't stop there. It gets better. Aggie was elated. For the Hearst 25th wedding anniversary, the college presented them with the gift of a vacation to Sweden. Aggie sought out her birth father. David Flood was an old man now. He had remarried, fathered four more children, and generally dissipated his life with alcohol. He had recently suffered a stroke. Still bitter, he had one rule in his family, never mention the name of God. God took everything from me. After an emotional reunion with her half-brothers and half sister. Aggie brought up the subject of her longing to see her father. They hesitated. You can talk to him, but he's very ill now. You need to know that whenever he hears the name of God, he flies into a rage. Aggie walked into the squalid apartment, which had liquor bottles strewn everywhere, and slowly approached her 73-year-old father, lying in a rumpled bed. Papa, she said tentatively. He turned and began to cry. Aina, I never meant to give you away. It's all right, Papa, she replied, taking him gently in her arms. God took good care of me. Her father instantly stiffened and the tears stopped. God forgot all of us. Our lives have been like this because of him. He turned his face back to the wall. Aggie stroked his face and then continued, Papa, I've got a marvelous story to tell you. You didn't go to Africa in vain. Mama didn't die in vain. The little boy you won to the Lord grew up to win that whole village to Jesus. The one seed you planted in his heart kept growing and growing. Today there are 600 people serving the Lord because you were faithful to the call of God in your life. Papa, Jesus loves you. He has never hated you or abandoned us. The father turned back to look into his daughter's eyes. His body relaxed. He slowly began to talk. And by the end of the afternoon, he had come back to God and had resented to the God he had resented for so many years. Over the next few days, father and daughter enjoyed warm moments together. A few weeks after Aggie and her husband returned to America, David Flood died. And a few years later, Aggie and her husband were attending an evangelism conference in London, England, where a report was given from Zaire, the former Belgian Congo. The superintendent of the national church, representing some 110,000 baptized believers, spoke eloquently of the gospel spread in his nation. Aggie could not help going to ask him afterward if he had ever heard of David and Sevilla Flood. Yes, madam, the man replied in French, his words being translated into English. Sevilla Flood led me to Christ. I was the boy who brought food to your parents before you were born. In fact, to this day, your mother's grave and her memory are honored by us all. He embraced Aggie for a long time, sobbing. You must come to Zaire. Your mother is the most famous and honored person in our history. When Aggie and her husband went to Underella, they were welcomed by cheering throngs of villagers. Aggie even met the man who had been hired by her father to carry her down the mountain in a cradle. Then the pastor escorted Aggie to see her mother's tomb with a white cross bearing her name. She knelt in the soil to pray and give thanks to God. Later in that day, in the church, the boy who became the pastor read, John, 12, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. And that's why it pays to serve God. No matter what we think might be happening, it pays to serve God. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to remember that the way up is the way down. The way to live is to die. The way to victory is to surrender. Lord, thank you that you've proven yourself faithful over and over again to millions of believers, and you still do. May we see it ourselves. May we trust that's exactly what you're doing in the days ahead. We pray in Christ's name.